Yo, yo, what it is. Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. A podcast where two longtime friends get together, talk about some albums we've been listening to, things that we've been enjoying, do a little uh, musical show and tell. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Deuterino number one, aka Dude. How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. How are you? Great. 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 Fantastic. That's good to hear. I figured you were probably miserable. It's been a while since you talked to me. <laughs> you know, I just shrivel up in the corner until we record again. I know. It's okay, man. I'm here now. And I'm here now for all of you guys so we can recommend a couple records. Slight production note on today's show. We're uh, changing the format up a little bit. Instead of doing the usual four records, we're just going to be focusing on two. Keep things a little bit tighter. A little bit right. Yeah. But there's great news. So, yeah, we're going to do one new album and then one old dog album, one older album that one of us loves. So, we'll alternate there. But the good news is this will be going weekly instead of biweekly. So, you'll get the same amount of content, but you'll get to get in smaller bites every week. Yeah. Keep you satiated with that delicious album nerds content. (laughs) Sure. Whatever you say, Andy. <laughs> All right, so today on the show, we're uh, going to be talking about a pick of mine, some very famous fellas, Iron Maiden, if you've ever heard of them, Senjutsu, their brand new album, and we're going to talk about someone I've never heard of, and this is Andy's Fuji, Fugi, Fugi? Uh, Fugi? F-U-G-I. Uh, yeah, the, the album is Mary, Don't Take Me On No Bad Trip from 1968. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both of those, actually. If you've heard these records before, you want to share your opinions, uh, I would love to know what you think of either of them. Uh, you can choose an email, podcastelbners.com, or leave us a voicemail, 585-210-2454. But without any further ado, let's get into these records. All right, folks. It's time. We're going to talk about uh band we've, we've mentioned quite a few times, I think, and only featured one of their albums, right, Andy? Their first album? De- debut, yeah. Before Bruce Dickinson joined the band, and they've had many, many albums in between. So it's Iron Maiden, English heavy metal band, formed in 1975. 17 studio albums, 13 live albums, 4 EPs, and 7 compilations. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! (laughs) Execute them. Bogus. So, (laughs) why don't we go ahead and get into it. This is uh, Iron Maiden with the song Writing on the Wall from the new album, Senjutsu. That was Writing on the Wall from Iron Maiden's brand new album, Senjutsu. Sounds like Iron Maiden. What did you think, Andy? Sound like Iron Maiden? I would agree. I think I can verify that was Iron Maiden, yes. (laughs) They're still doing it after, God, 
50 uh, years. 50? I was going to say 40. Well, let's see. 50? 75. Yeah, 40 something years. You're right. After 40, but still, 40 something years. That's a lot. That's a long time to be meddling out. That's a long time to do anything, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> a long time for breathing. That is. Let me tell you. Yeah, so this just came out. They hadn't released anything since 2015. What did you think of that 2015 record? I, I think we talked about it briefly, maybe. Wait, I think we... in our personal lives. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I mean, I've liked all of their albums since the 2000 return of Bruce Dickinson. They've all been kind of more along these lines, though. This sort of grand, larger-than-life mm-hmm. cinematic sort of experience. So not kind of the more stripped down new wave of British heavy metal sound that they started with. And they they toyed with this kind of sound in the 80s as well. Yeah, man, it's carefully constructed, slow builds in every song from acoustical type starts to bombastic middles and sometimes acoustic ends. Mm-hmm. It's got that chugging, galloping, sort of going into battle vibe on a lot of the songs. Bruce sounds pretty good. Uh, guitars are good. Little on the long side. It is. It's what, an hour 21, I think, is the official runtime. Yeah. The last three tracks are yeah. particularly lengthy. It's a double album, which is kind of harder to do now. Yeah. What does that mean nowadays? Just It's long. Yeah. <laughs> it's the length. If it's longer than a standard CD can hold... It's still considered a double then. I see. From what I understand. I guess we should talk about the, the album itself, why Senjutsu and why Eddie, their their skeletal mummified mascot that they've had on all their album covers, why he's dressed like a Japanese warrior. Uh, do you want to talk about that or do you want me to? I mean, I, I don't really know the reason why. Uh, these songs, all, a lot of the songs have seemed to do with war and warriors and yeah. I don't really know why Japanese I mean yeah I think that's just kind of what they do the, that word is translated as tactics and strategy loosely and I think they just look for stuff that's war-ish and looks cool <laughs> that's my opinion is that like their theme like on all their records like it's kind of like going into battle and sort of like you know the immortal warrior that type of thing or is this kind of more of a recent thing? That whole that that whole vibe is just part of who they are. There's always this sort of grand battle sort of feeling. Yeah. Like, and those galloping horse-like beats have been a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works well. The first three songs are like decent length, probably some of the strongest. Not that uh, the rest aren't strong. Senjutsu, Stratego, and the writing on the wall are my favorite songs on the album. Uh, Lost in a Lost World, Days of Future Past, The Time Machine. Those are kind of mid, mid-tempo-y here and there. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Anything specific stand out for you here? Was there something you liked, something you didn't like? Well, overall, I, I, I did enjoy the record. and I think it was one of their stronger of their recent days, for sure. Or maybe like the second or third incantation of the band. Yeah, I, in terms of specifics, I mean, I like, I really love the the prog rock sound they they brought in here. I think there's a lot of cool guitar passages here that where I found pretty interesting. I think you hinted at like how 
intricate and complex some of these songs are, especially when it gets to the longer songs at the end of the record. Though I didn't necessarily love all of those, but the parchment second to last song I thought was particularly good. Mm-hmm. And there's some really crazy shit going on there. Like I think any sort of prog rock fan would really appreciate, um, which I didn't really expect from uh, Iron Maiden. So that was cool. Yeah. Some people are calling this a prog album and I reject that. Like, I don't think it's a prog album. I think there's progishness here and there, <laughs> like progressive sound, like, but it still sounds like an Iron Maiden. It does. Current yeah, Iron Maiden agree. album. Um, but they're leaning in that direction for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's elements, but I think part of it is just because they're so long. If the songs were shorter, people wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily say that it's got a prog sound to it. You know, if, if they tightened it up. I don't know. That noodly guitar sound that yeah, I think is usually associated with Prague. But the drums, like you're saying, is a little more in line with their traditional sound. Yeah. The last two songs, the parchment, like you mentioned, that Celtic sort of folky sound in it is really cool. And it does bring to mind like Game of Thronesy sort of imagery. Yeah. yeah. Hell on Earth, the, the final Forza. track. Yeah. I really like it. Really? I do. If it were three minutes shorter. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the last two songs or the last three songs, I'm sorry, are over half an hour <laughs> runtime. Yes. It's a little bit. It's, yeah. It starts off very acoustic-y. Then it gets pretty heavy in the middle. And I feel like with that three minutes left, Bruce is like at a, the, the, I wish the song and the album had ended on a vocal high, like a mm-hmm. impactful sort of high energy thing so right. that you're left wanting more after 80 minutes. <laughs> Instead, it kind of ends awesome. like, like the end of a movie, like the credits are rolling. Yeah, very in, instrumental fade out kind of twinkly yeah. and yeah i mean i'm sure that was the intention to bring the story to a close but i put in mm-hmm. all this time i'm tired <laughs> right you want to like walk away feeling restored yeah i want to wake up like woo right all in all i'd say it's a it's a solid iron maiden album i don't know where i would rank it amongst all of them i tend to like the earlier stuff the very best just because i like my stuff simple mm-hmm. but on the whole I think it's an enjoyable, great album. I would totally recommend to anyone that likes metal, maybe likes a little bit of that prog vibe, maybe hasn't listened to Iron Maiden before, doesn't. A bunch of my friends were like, you're still doing stuff? I'm like, yeah, go listen to it. So that's what I, that's what I say to all y'all. Yes, they're still doing stuff. It's good. Go listen to it. Yeah. And as someone who's not as big a fan of that new wave of British heavy metal sound that they had back in the 80s, I think this is... Uh Still a pretty quality listen just for music lovers in general. So, once again, the album is Shinjitsu by Iron Maiden. Indeed. All right, so we got a new segment we want to try out here where we kind of just do some impromptu sharing and try to uh, answer a topical question. And you can find those questions at Album Nerds on Twitter, and we'd love it if you would answer them as well. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. <laughs> All right. So today's question is what album do you find yourself defending most, even to yourself? So what record maybe isn't such high quality in regards, you know, in the larger community? Uh, 
Yeah. It's maybe not viewed as highly, but you still love it for whatever reason. Even though you question it yourself sometimes. <laughs> yes. This is a pretty pretty easy one for me. I almost immediately thought of one that I was like, man, I don't know if I should even like this anymore. But what why don't we start why don't we start with you? All right. What'd you come up with? Metallica's Saint Anger. Oh, that's that's gotta be at the pretty high on the list, I would think, for questionable yeah i mean there are people that love it and for those of you that don't know it was uh there was a whole thing tied with it they had kicked the bassist out of the band this is like early 2000s they made a they were going to counseling together they made a movie with the counseling and the album is very long and loud with a very bizarre high snare drum sound this kind of tinny sound throughout there's no guitar solos no real hooks and it's sort of like the leftovers from going and seeking counseling a lot of emotion but anger it's all about anger saint anger around my neck this anger and addiction and all this stuff that james hetfield in particular was working through at the time and at the time for me, my defense always is, is it perfect? No. Sometimes when I listen to it, I can't stand it. Sometimes when I listen to it, I love it. I just loved it the other day. But at the <laughs> time, I was in a situation where I didn't like work. I, my relationship at the time was meh. And uh-huh. I was hiding my anger. And I'd listen to this album and just let it out. Yeah, you could relate to you. Yeah, I felt I felt like there were things around my neck that I needed to get rid of, and yeah. I did. Yahoo! And now I'm happy with a great lady um, <laughs> for many, many, many years now. Yes, in hindsight, yeah. So at the time, it was there for me. It it served a purpose. I dug it. I loved it. I listened to it so much, and I didn't. The drum sound didn't even bother me. As the years wore on, and people started talking about it, how oh, it's their worst album. I'm like, really? I started feeling weird about it. So, St. Anger, <laughs> that's mine. How about you, Andy? <laughs> well, strange enough that I record I picked out is not too dissimilar. One came to mind for me was uh, Marilyn Manson's debut record, uh, Portrait of an American Family. Uh, I really enjoyed that record when what, that came out. What's on that one? I'm, I have mostly avoided that dude <laughs> throughout my <laughs> listening. Yeah, I don't think there really was a big single like uh, Dope Pat. I think he played a lot later on in his career. Mm. Cake and Cake and Sodomy. Oh, gross! <laughs> Nineteen ninety four. This came oh, okay. out. It's a really creepy, just like spooky record, which I really loved. Because <laughs> I was into like horror movies, and I okay. just, I loved like you know kind of like just things that were different and a little bit dark. And this was like right in that vein, and he was—he wasn't really super popular yet. Like uh, beautiful people wasn't a thing at this point. So I was like really into it. But coming back to it as an adult and just listening to some of what some of these songs are about—I mean, yeah, the cake inside of me—it's pretty gross. And there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of kind of nasty, nasty stuff that I kind of makes me feel a little icky, especially seeing the rest of his discography and kind of like where he's at personally and some of the things he's done or had done during this time period to members of his crew and fire friends and relationships like that it's just a little bit cringy cringy at this point <laughs> no there's still good energy on the record but i i don't even know if i could defend it anymore i do listen to it occasionally okay 
but I, I don't really do it in public. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think we're ever going to, I don't think I'd ever bring that to the table, but I just wanted to mention it. I think everybody can uh, relate to that. You know, everyone's got an album or albums that they still love and they feel kind of, it's not exactly guilty pleasure. It's like, it's a good, you know, I like this album and it might fit right in kind of your thing, but yeah, if, if someone gives you the look, if you say it, it's like, wait, 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 wait. It's because of this. <laughs> right, so, I have to ex- give it some explaining. <laughs> if any, if any of you out there have that, let us know. I mean, you can email us, whatever, but uh, these questions are up on Twitter at Album Nerds. Please, we'd love to hear what you, what your stories are. What are those albums that you feel like you have to defend? Oh, dog. All right, time for the part of the show where we go back to our collections and pick out an old gem to talk about. I have a, a pretty mysterious record from a pretty mysterious musician by the name of Fugi. I believe it's pronounced. I've never heard anybody say it in real life. <laughs> All right, so Fugi, the, real, the album is Mary, Don't Take Me On No Bad Trip. Uh, it was recorded in 1968. It wasn't really released until 2005. That's weird. Is just another weird thing about it. It fits into that soul funk thing that was going on back in the, the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, Fugi is the debut record for Ellington Jordan. He's, it's largely a one man band. Uh, he wrote and produced the record. There is a pretty smoking backing band there who plays on one record here by the name of Black Miranda. They both are from the, D- the Detroit, Michigan area. I saw Fugi described as Sinister Curtis Mayfield, which I think is a pretty apt description of the sound that he has on this record here. The song we're going to play first was the first single, and it was released back in the 60s. It's entitled Mary Don't Take Me On No Bad Trip. Let's play a little bit now. So that song in particular, I, I think, is probably the strongest on the record. And I, mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, falls right in line with that, that funkadelic groove. Yeah, man. That was happening. What did you think, too? Well, I mean, as soon as I, as soon as I heard this, I knew that I was going to like this. Like, <laughs> it, was, right. it, was, it was clear. It's like classic... Well, I, I didn't know. Well, see, I think part of it was this is such a pleasant surprise, right? Because it's a weird name I'd never heard of. I see the album cover. It's a little hard to find. I see it and I'm like. Yeah, what? what's the album? Describe the album cover just for the folks who haven't seen this. So, it looks like it looks like it was made on someone's like computer in 1993. I mean, it, right. it looks Isn't like Microsoft publisher or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the wavy lettering and stuff, it just looks yeah. low budget and with the, the orange color and stuff and, and the picture of him in the middle with a headband on and some like garden lattice work behind him or something. I just didn't know what was going on. I'm like, is this going to be a reggae thing? Is it, what, what are we, what are we looking at here? 
And then I started it and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, the album cover doesn't really fit the record, I wouldn't say. It wouldn't, like, if you're at a record store going through, you'd think it's some KTEL, like, sold on TV type of thing from the right. 70s that you would right. probably ignore it unless you're looking for something really weird yeah. to be funny or something. But it wouldn't, it doesn't tell the story of, of what you're going to listen to, which is unfortunate. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but once you get past that end of the tracks here, it starts out super strong with that, with the single there, the self, the, uh, the title track. <laughs> and then it moves into, I would say more of like a soul groove on the next few tracks here. There's a really cool song, the second song, um, I'd rather be a blind man, which I would say is more of that curse Mayfield yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a love song. It was originally written for Etta James. Um, she recorded a version of it. It's not exactly the same, but, uh, Fugi or, uh, Ellington wrote it for her a few years prior to recording it himself. It's really beautiful. Just a sad song. You, you know, he's saying like, I'd rather be a blind man than to see you walk away from me. It's kind of the chorus. Uh, really touching stuff. I think he actually delivers it. Maybe not as well as Anna James does, but he has a pretty decent voice in his own right. Uh, it's very smooth and kind of soaring vocal, which, I think it sounds great on the record in general. It's very well produced, really good sounding. Yeah, especially considering the the road that it took. So it gets recorded and then canned, except for the single. Uh, uh, so the single comes out. I don't know what happened. I mean, it, that's bizarre to me. They just disappeared. And then decades later, it gets released. Yeah, it, it is weird. So he kind of just fell out of music. He moved to Los Angeles in the 70s, and no, I don't really know what happened to him. I couldn't find any information on what happened to him between like the 70s and the mid-90s when he released a hip-hop record, which I couldn't even find a copy of. He did put out another record in the, in the early 2000s, which kind of a reimagining of some of these songs here on, on the Mary record. He just passed away last year, actually, which is kind of mm. one of the reasons I this kind of came back to the surface for me, so I thought it'd be worth bringing up. Yeah, but the rest of the record, I would say there's a couple more funky tracks on here, especially um, track four, Revelations, which is more kind of like a social call to, call to action type jams. Also pretty funky. There's some big psychedelic guitar riffs where he's talking about, you know, how things are changing and you got to get involved and better get your salvation is a line that really stuck out to me. So what did you, what do you think, man, of, of the, you got the funk. There's definitely a few funky mm-hmm. tracks on here, but the the more slowed down soul grooves, were you into those as well? Or oh, yeah. did you think it didn't fit? I think the soul was the soul of the album. I mean, that was really the basis for all of it. Just because there was some more funky guitar on top of some things, it still had a soulful, like uh, when that, that, that straddling the line between what the temptations and and bands and groups like that were doing. And Mm -hmm. then that funk thing that was, this was 68. So that was just starting to come together, sliding the family stone and all that. So it kind of straddles that line. And I think it does it really nicely where there's funky attitude and guitar here and there, but all in all, I, I would, I would call this a soul album more than a funk album. Yeah, I think you're right. And the majority of it is more soul. Why don't we play one of those soul songs? Um, it's a little taste of I'd rather be a blind man. I do believe that a blind man 
For what he can't see He sure can't feel And his heart His heart Will never, ever know I wonder how the sight impaired would feel about that particular message. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, right? You know, you can't see her walking out the door so you don't have that pain, but, you know, it's a little insensitive there, uh, Fuji. <laughs> uh, this is back in the 60s. It wasn't a consideration. <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I, I really, yeah, I think those songs work equally as well, if almost not better. His, his voice is fantastic. Sounds... Just as good as any of those groups you mentioned there, I think, in terms of Temptations and Mayfield and Family Stone and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, it's it's awesome to find hidden gem type stuff like this, but it also it's always kind of sad too when when something you feel like could have been. Yeah, totally. It seemed to have it all lined up, man. He signed to to Chess Records, which was kind of the big blues and soul album or label at the time. For whatever reason, he kind of got lost in the shuffle and just just kind of faded out for a few decades. And then, unfortunately, that movement had passed. And but at least we had this. Yeah, I mean, this is it's only it's about a half hour long. It's only six tracks. It's really more of an EP. But uh, I think it's great, and the vibe on it is awesome, and it can be uh, a good jumping off point to get yeah. back into this kind of mm-hmm. sound of the yeah, early, you know, early seventies. You know what this brings to mind is the Charles Bradley story. Remember Charles Bradley? Oh yeah, right. He didn't. So he was he just got popular like really late in his life. Yeah, right? he was a struggling soul musician, kind of James Brown style, yeah. and he had done stuff in the '60s, and then it just never happened for him. But then he had a renaissance where he had some. He got signed to a major label or to a label, had some recognition tours. Got to be kind of a late life star. He he passed away in 2017. Uh, this mm-hmm. is like mid 2006, 7, 8 range probably. Yep. So it kind of reminds me of that, but Fugi didn't quite get his day in the sun, um, which I think he, he deserved. Well, he did get, this record was finally released, like I said, in the early 2000s. Um, there was a little bit of an underground interest in it that prompted that to happen. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if he really gets the recognition or the credit he deserves, especially being a great writer of these songs as well as producer. And really talented multi-instrumentalist. And yeah, man, this is really cool. I'd never heard of him or heard any of these songs, and I enjoyed the whole thing multiple cool. times. Cool. Well, that's what the show's all about getting some of these records out there maybe you haven't heard before. So if you've took a chance to check it out, uh, we'd love to know what you think of both of these records. You can shoot us an email, podcast.albumnerds.com. Or leave us a voicemail, 585-210-2454. Love to hear from you. Maybe uh, you can feature you on an upcoming show. Yes. Subscribe to download the show in all the usual places if you'd like to do us a solid. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for all sorts of stuff at Album Nerds. But especially, go join us and let, let's get uh, going with those questions. Let's answer some questions about music and our favorite albums. And you can support the show with a PayPal donation, albumnerds.com slash support. We'd really appreciate it. Word up. All right. We'll be back next week. Woo. Seven days. Seven more sleeps until another Album Nerds podcast. If you can make it that long, hang in there. We'll be back shortly. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, everybody. Catch you soon. Thanks. See you.